Hey folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast, with the news that we bring, the exclusive interviews. And you know what else is great? You can listen to any iHeartRadio station anywhere in the country inside this free app. I used to listen to all sorts of radio on my AM or FM radio. Today, I don't have time to be in the car that often. You know where I listen? I listen on the iHeartRadio app. It's awesome. And they have some really cool new features, unlike anything else in the market. One of them is called Talk Back Mike. Anytime I have something to say, I tap the mic and send my voice message and then listen to hear my voice on one of my favorite shows. Isn't that cool? You can send a message to your favorite disc jockey, your favorite podcast show host. So be sure to download the iHeart app radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeart radio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeart radio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from the iHeart radio app. Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday before the 4th of July. I hope you're all getting ready to celebrate America's great liberty, its great independence, the day of the 245th birthday of our great country uh, coming up this weekend. Honor all of those who have served, who have given their life and limb uh, to our country, and also just celebrate, even with all the strife we have in our country today, we're still the best darn country God ever invented. And uh, we have so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of some of our crises that we face today. All right, today we're going to dedicate the whole show to a subject that a lot of you are uh, talking about more and more and more called critical race theory, the new curriculum that's sweeping many school districts around the country and the revolt against it by parents. We're going to do two pretty amazing interviews today. First up, we're going to hear from Charles Fain Lehman. He's a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's created a toolkit for parents on how to go about combating critical race theory, raising questions about things your children are being taught in school, maybe even taking control of your school board if, if so needed, um, lawsuits, legislatures. We're going to cover the whole thing. Charles is one of the preeminent uh, experts on this, and, and they have a whole team at Manhattan that's fantastic. He also wrote a recent op-ed for Newsweek. You should read. It's required reading if you're concerned about this issue. And the toolkit for concerned parents is something that uh, people are talking about all across this country. Then we're going to go down to Texas before we head out to our 4th of July. It seems like a good place to go, the Lone Star State. We're going to introduce you to a parent named Lee Wamsgans. She uh, lived in the community of South Lake, Texas, and led a parent movement to win seats on the school board and to push back against critical race theory. And here's the amazing thing. Her child wasn't even in the public school. She had her child in a Christian private school, but she decided it was important enough to fight for all the children in her school district and uh, what an impact they've had very quickly. This case has been chronicled all across the country. This is the first time we've had the pleasure of talking to Lee. Both Charles and Lee coming up in just a second. First, Let's go take a quick commercial break. Thank you our, to our advertisers, our sponsors for making this show possible. If you want to support us, support them. You're going to hear from them right now. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. 
You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who has put a lot of thought into the debate over critical race theory and equity learning in schools. Uh, Joining us right now is Charles Fane Lehman, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's put together with the Manhattan Institute a toolkit for parents who are trying to address this issue with their children, their school district, and has some amazing advice. Charles, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. Good to be here. It's an honor to have you on. And uh, this toolkit is getting a lot of buzz all across the country. But before we dive into that, uh, you had a Newsweek op-ed in the last few days that really caught my attention. And uh, it did a couple of things. One, it provided some real-life anecdotes of what's being taught to children in the name of critical race theory. And then it had some defenses of people that oppose critical race theory saying, calling us racist and that's insane there's a the demagoguery on parents who are opposing this is really bad i want to address both let me start with some of the examples that you found from parents of what was being taught to american school children in the k-12 to uh, grades yeah absolutely and you know a lot of that's based on although not exclusively based on reporting by my colleague at manhattan uh chris rufo who's yes. obviously been leading the fight on this um you know and there there are just a few examples that i like to Think of the Philadelphia Elementary School that had kids organize a Black Communism march in uh, in, in support of Angela Davis. Uh, the Oregon State math uh, guidance document from the Oregon State Department of Education, which implies that math is infused with white supremacy and that to get around it, we need to have use more Afri- traditional African patterns in the math classroom. Wow. Uh, one of my favorites from Chris, which is the uh, – uh, the California Ethnic Studies curriculum that includes apologetics for, I think it's Aztec human sacrifice, wow. all under the sort of decolonial anti-white supremacist rubric. Um, and, you know, I think this is really the sort of crazy stuff that parents are more and more concerned about in their kids' schools. This is yeah. the sort of most extreme examples, but it's indicative of the tenor of the whole thing. Yeah, it really is. And and I've never seen a moment in American history, certainly not in my lifetime, 
where people are more tuned in to what their children are learning and more tuned in. It's really a political movement. You're going to see amazing school board elections, it looks like to me, over the next two or four years as parents try to gain control of the bureaucracy and the and these boards, which, uh, which seem to turn a deaf ear to them. Isn't that one of the concerns parents have? They go to a school board meeting and the school board meeting just sloughs them off, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think I think something that we're seeing right now is parents running for school board and winning school board seats uh, based on a support for common sense education rather than this sort of ideological craziness. Um, people forget that school boards are usually locally elected. Average school board race costs ten to twenty thousand dollars. Nobody pays attention to them. And so, you know, these school boards are not used to democratic accountability. They're used to getting their cushy slot back every single time. Yeah. Uh, they're pretty uncomfortable with new scrutiny, but there's a reason that these are democratically elected positions. Ultimately, they have to be accountable to parents, and it's good that they're being held accountable to parents. It is. It is. It's a, it's a good political movement. It's good for everybody. Listen, at the end of the day, more accountability and less ignorance is a good plan for mm-hmm. the, uh, for any form of governance from the local level all the way up. You, um, in this article, also uh, do a good job of saying what it is that critics of critical race theory really are saying, as opposed to what the media, the media tends to uh, portray everyone who raises a question about critical race theory, they're racist, they're oblivious to America's dark past, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in the Newsweek article, I thought I saw one of the best defenses of why people have a concern about it. Could you could you describe what what opponents of critical race theory really are concerned about? I mean, they're not they're not trying to stop teaching about slavery or hide you know the Civil War. Uh, tell us what 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 this concern is really focused on. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right, and it's you know it's uh, really quite strange that this is the argument that is propagated into even mainstream media sources that people are concerned about. White kids will be uncomfortable if they have to learn about white supremacy. If you go read Texas's bill banning critical race theory, you'll see that they mandate the teaching of the history of white supremacy and why it's wrong. And that makes sense to me. That makes sense to most people I know who are concerned about CRT because we see uh, clearly there are there are harmful things in America's history, bad things, racist moments in America's history. Um, and that's the thing that we should be open and honest about. Uh, what I don't support, what others are concerned about, is this sort of uh, not only just sort of a race-obsessed analysis, but this idea that America is institutionally, constitutionally, inalterably racist and white supremacist, and this being taught as dogma or fact, uh, an indisputable fact in our schools to teachers and then to students. You know, at the end of the day, I don't have a problem with a critical race theorist like Derek Bell or Kimberly Crenshaw being taught in the classroom, being taught in high school classroom, having kids talk about those ideas and debate them. Right. I do have a problem with those ideas being mandatory and dissent from those ideas being punished. That's where the real issue is. Yeah, no, it's become a one-sided debate. One of the parents we had on the show recently said, uh, I sent my kids to go to school so they can be taught uh, – how to think, and instead they're being told what to think, and it's a very one-sided debate. Uh, it's really interesting to see see parents have that frustration. Now, you've done something at the Manhattan Institute that I think is remarkable. You put together a toolkit to help uh, parents with the uh, fight against uh, critical race theory, equity learning, whatever we want to call it. Uh, tell us about this toolkit, what's in it, and what's the reaction been to it? Yeah, absolutely. And the first thing I'll say is you should go to manhattan-institute.org if you want to check it out. It's right there on the front page. At least it was the last time I checked. Uh, <laughs> I'm but sure the, it is. You know, the toolkit, which is, you know, it's a, it's a product of a bunch of us working at Manhattan, 
Um, but it's, it includes a couple of different things, it's sort of a, a front piece essay, the goal of which is just to lay out the history and talk about where we are and how we got here. Then there's a, a lexicon, which uh, outlines some key terms that get commonly used, tries to explain what teachers and administrators mean when they talk about white supremacy, white privilege, equity, pick your term. Um, and then the bulk of it is really the sort of guide for parents who want to start pushing back. Think about what is it that you need to do to respond to this stuff. Um, and, you know, the, the first step, and there were a bunch of steps in there, but the first step really is identifying other parents who are concerned and getting organized. Um, we talk about how to do that, but, you know, that, that's the fundamental thing that parents need to be thinking about doing is how can they make their voices heard with other people. Yeah, such an important point. Um, and there is strength in numbers. I think that's one of the key things. The more parents band together, that's the story of South Lake, Texas. You know, a woman set out and she set out to get 300 people. She ended up with 3,000 parents. And before long, they were taking on their school board. It, it really is remarkable. Um, as they get further and further into this, you know, what are some of the steps that parents can take to have uh a uh, outcome, not only for their children, but for their entire school district. I mean, there's two, two routes here. One is to make sure that your child gets taught the proper way. And then the second question is, do we try to address the more systemic way that the school board's going about it? What are some of the steps that parents can take? Yeah, you know, I think the first step, the first principle to keep in mind is always, you know, don't do more than you need to. Maybe the problem is just, you know, a weird document got into your kid's class and your teacher doesn't know you have a problem with it and talk to them. Right. So don't don't go full nuclear at the start. If you do find yourself having problems, uh, first of all, as I said, it's important for parents to get organized. Um, five, six, seven voices, much more powerful, exponentially more powerful than one. Uh, at the end of the day, this stuff is not being driven by like a grassroots uh, you know, the uh, advocacy for CRT in schools, I mean, is not a grassroots phenomenon. It's like administrators and some recent alumni who are now college kids and maybe some teachers who are really gung-ho about this stuff are pushing it. It's a minority movement. Right. Um, but what that means is that a couple of organized parents can have outsized impact in pushing back. I think that's important for people to remember. Um, so, you know, you start from there, you go, you escalate your way up the administration. If you can't get traction, you think about outside uh, you think about talking to the media, you think about uh, going to your local school board, running for your local school board. You should keep track of the ongoing lawsuits uh, that are starting to pop up everywhere because I think that's a potentially fruitful avenue that's really just yeah. as infancy. The courts are getting more and more involved. There's no doubt. Yep. And in almost every case thus far, the courts have ruled in favor of people who are uh, critics uh, concerned about this critical race mm -hmm. theory being taught. This is a question that I think is at the heart of this debate, which is, if you're opposed to CRT, what are the real dangers long-term for this being taught systemically in the schools? As opposed to, hey, here's one body of thought, and there are many other bodies of thought. If this becomes the predominant way that uh, children are trained for 6, 8, 10, 12 years of going through their uh, uh, primary education, what, um, what is the danger? How do you define the danger? You know, I think people like to talk about this in a very uh, sort of a revolutionary ideology. I don't think at the end of the day, that's the most dangerous thing. I think that there are a handful of people who are trying to make money and a bunch of people who are well-intentioned but wrongheaded and uh, try to, you know, well- Put them together we'll, in a stew pot, you get some stew, I yep, guess, huh? Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, but what I do think is that when you separate kids by race, when you tell kids that race is the most important thing about them, when you say that these kids are responsible for all the bad things that happen- 
kids love every excuse to be awful to each other. That's um, right. The things that most alarm me, well, th- that's one thing that alarms me. The other thing that alarms me is, is you know, the conscious war on merit, base, on merit. Uh, the attacks on merit-based admissions at America's selective high schools in New York and outside of D.C. Um, at the end of the day, the purpose of our educational system is to figure out who's going to lead our country. We want the best and the brightest to do that. And this sort of ongoing war on uh, merit-based testing under the pretense that it's racist will ultimately, in my view, serve not just you know mediocre kids, but most often the rich, mediocre white kids who can uh, get into college off of essays they paid for because they aren't held accountable by a test like the SAT. So I'm worried about that long run, too. Yeah, yeah, objective education where you can really measure. The um, We had a young uh, African-American father on our show about a week ago, and he uh, he has been very strongly against critical race theory. And he said something very profound to me that it's stuck in my head since he said it. He said, I don't want my daughter to be taught that the first thing you look at at, uh, in a person is the color of the skin. I want to know about the quality of the person inside, but skin shouldn't be what defines the, the opening relationship whenever you meet someone. And that's what is going on with CRT. They're, They're training everybody to consider skin color, race, ethnicity before anything else. It, do do other parents feel that way? Is that part of one of the uh, the pepsit that this this uh, I, uh, curriculum is creating? I think they absolutely do. You know, I've talked to parents whose kids have had trouble with uh, you know being targeted because, particularly if their kids are Asian or if their kids are Jewish, right. those are groups that are disfavored and are, are easy targets for being picked on. Quite bluntly, yep. um, and I think I think that that's you know those are parents who are really concerned, uh, and I think they're right to be concerned. You know, when the school gives social permission for kids to be divided, kids are going to take advantage of that. That's not good. Yeah, such a great, uh, such a great point. And um, and racism comes in all forms, right? We we always talk about most traditionally the white on black, which is there's a long history. We know that, but you know what's going on with Asian Americans, the 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 uh, extraordinary uh, new rise of anti-Semitism. This is taking many shapes, and and I think people are worried that this curriculum can only inflame that. Uh, It's it's very interesting to watch uh, the debate. How do people stay in touch with what you're doing, Charles, with all the great work at Manhattan, and uh, what's a good way for people to download the toolkit and, and get engaged? Yeah, uh, you know, the, as I said, the best place to go is manhattan-institute.org. That's where the toolkit can be found. That's where everything is. Uh, my work is over at Manhattan Institute. It's at City Journal, which is city-journal.org, which is uh, uh, the Manhattan Institute's in-house magazine. So that's right. me and a bunch of great writers that I encourage everyone to follow. And I'm also on Twitter, at Charles F. Lehman, L-E-H-M-A-N, uh, if you want to follow me there. That's that's really great. Last question. Uh, there are seems to be beyond, uh, you know, parents taking on an election movement, taking over the school boards, trying to gain uh, control of the school curriculum. Uh, two other avenues that are growing. One is the state legislatures are beginning to pass uh, uh, laws that prohibit this as sort of being the predominant uh, curriculum in school. And then you have the courts that have intervened. How? What is the next logical steps? As you look out at the early rulings in the legislatures, like what happened in Florida recently, how, uh, where do you think this goes over the next six to 12 months? You know, I think that next the next school year is going to be a big one for this fight. Um, and it is, it is possible 
it is possible that we'll lose momentum. Part of the reason that parents are so inflamed right now, I think, is because, frankly, their kids have been in their living rooms and they've been listening to what's happening in their kids' classes. Uh, So I'm a little worried about that. At the same time, I think there is a lot of energy. And like I said, you know, it's just not that hard to run for the school board. Uh, maybe ten, twenty thousand dollars is a lot of money to you and me. But if you can get 100 people to give you a couple hundred bucks, you can win a school board seat. Uh, so I think that the barriers to entry are pretty low. And as long as the momentum can be maintained, I am optimistic about its effect. Yeah, that's a really amazing thing. And you're right. It doesn't take that much. I mean, and it's a, it's a noble thing to do. It's a great thing to join the school board and and do that. I think the most frustrating image that parents talk about is seeing some parents recently going to school board meetings to raise their concerns and they get brushed off by elitists like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, please. We don't care. And Absolutely. that that accountability has to change. And it seems like that movement is is well underway. Charles, uh, thank you for all you do. The Newsweek article, folks, if you haven't seen it, is a fantastic article. Check it out. Great read. Charles wrote that just a few days ago. And stay in touch with him at the Manhattan Institute, which is a great resource, one of the great think tanks in America. Uh, Charles, I can't thank you enough. I hope I wish you a very happy Fourth of July. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. It was an honor. Well, I think we're going to have you back on. We have to have you back on. We've got to follow this story all year long. So we'll, we'll be Absolutely. sure to get you back on the show. Absolutely. All right. Have a great one. You too. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to take you down to Texas to a real-life example of what Charles was just talking about, a group of parents that ran for their school board, took it over, and have begun to push back against critical race theory. We'll have that right after the commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special story from a very special person. We've been talking about critical race theory a lot on this show. We've had members of Congress, educators, all sorts of folks. But today, you're going to hear from a real parent who took matters into their own hands in South in South uh, community of South Lake, Texas. Joining us right now is Lee Wamsgans, who is a parent who took on the school board and won. And we're going to just hear from her story. Lee, welcome for, uh, to the show. It's great to have you on. Thanks, John. Great to be here. It's a remarkable story. Now, let me start off with something really fun. Your children actually are in private schools, but you took on your public school board anyways, right? Yeah, and that's something I would actually like to really get across to people because some of the most conservative people across our nation have pulled their kids out of out of public schools. Right. So, so why pay attention, right? Well, this is the population our children are going to be 
doing life with. Yeah, and we peers. need to care about what's happening in public school. Well, you cared enough not only for your own children, you cared for all the other children to do this. And it, it's remarkable to see what happened. So tell us the story of how you mount this basically guerrilla army of parents and take on a school board that didn't want to listen to parents and remove them and get critical race theory out of the school district that your your children's parents were in. I'd love to just tell us that story. It's a remarkable story. Sure. It, it, it's um, kind of a long story, but let me try to Optimize it for you. Um, last summer, a plan was brought forward um, called the Cultural Competence Action Plan. And if I can even back up a few steps from that, that uh, was spawned by a fall 2018 social media post of some kids um, in a private home um, chanting a racial slur, mm. not calling anyone the racial slur, right. but um, need, nevertheless chanting it on social media. Yeah. and. Um, we have some real um, activist folks in our school district, and they use that opportunity to form a uh, cultural uh, a diversity uh, committee. The District Diversity Council met 11 times. They talk about working uh, two years. We uh, we got the roll, the roll calls. They met 11 times total, and really what this document really came from is the activist administrators within the school district that are, by the way, paid by our tax dollars, right. um, created most of this plan. And so um, they tried to launch this plan, and we never would have heard of this plan except for the brouhaha caused by a local offshoot, offshoot of BLM called um, uh, SARC. And um, this group sort of stormed the virtual meeting, virtually got themselves on the agenda and made a list of demands, much like you will see on the BLM website. They wanted to get the uh, school resource officers out of the schools. Right. You know, that was, of course, the most alarming thing, which sure. was out on social media, um, sort of started waking people up because our school has armed officers. In, I mean, our school district has armed officers in every school. And I, in fact, was behind the movement getting them in there way wow. back when. So, um the long and short of it is it called attention to this document. And um, we started looking at this document, and it's really horrific. So um, Tim O'Hare and I, Tim, Tim and Kristen, they're, they're friends of ours, and we're, we're very conservative, and, and um, just kind of got together and said, what can we do about this? And I just, out of my own pocket, formed, uh, put together a landing page and wow. did targeted social media. Right ads just shooting out what the bullet points of this plan were and i thought you know if i could get two or three hundred people interested that would be more than has ever gotten involved in a school district issue before in the history of our that would be a tidal wave right that would be a tidal wave and (laughs) i wound up with almost three thousand signatures wow wow that's a tsunami how about that wow amazing yeah it was a tsunami, and so I called Tim and said, uh, we've got something here. Parents are willing to take a stand. That's amazing. And over the course of a year, you ousted the current school board, right, and, and got new parents on the school board. Is that correct? It, it is. Um, we had to form um, a very organized committee. Our first event launch was, you know, um, the beginning of August 2020, which we had still had all of the COVID restrictions yeah, in place. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> I and forgot this is occurring during the pandemic, so you got all that extra challenge. Exactly, exactly. Well, and we had wondered why the 
school district uh, virtual academy wasn't going well, and it was because the key um, administrators who were paid six-figure salaries were all focused on implementing, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the schools instead of the business of doing education right in right. The schools. But we um, we held a big event, and we could only the bottom of this church we held it at had an 800 person capacity and we had to go 50% so we could only get 400 people. We literally had people, so we did an RCP and we literally had people very upset. We turned hundreds away. Wow. Um, no so room in the end, huh? Yeah. So Tim O'Hare, by the way, who's running for Tarrant County right. Judge, conservative guy, there's a little plug for him. We love him to death. Um, <laughs> Tim O'Hare formed the business side of the pack. We held this event and raised a great deal of money that day. And we divided, you know, organized into committees. Um, we had, you know, school research committee. We had uh, public information request committee, legal committee, a prayer team, uh, candidate interview committee, fundraising committee. We had a committee um, that would coordinate public comments at school board meetings. So we really divided and conquered and created an organized army. And that is what is really critical. What you find with activists is everyone wants to be the boss, but right. you do need to divide and conquer. Yeah. No, you're right. Everybody has to have a role in in, in, uh, in getting something going like this. Now, over the course of this, you, you probably took a little bit of a harassment and criticism. What was that like? I mean, did the were there parents, school board members, uh, BLM members? It, uh, did you take some criticism, or did this sort of happen with overwhelming force, and you never really took any any um, uh, feedback? Tons of criticism. Yeah. Um, everyone, if you if you do not bend a knee to BLM, you are called a racist. And yeah. so it got to where we were all called racist. It you know it's not mutually exclusive. You can you can absolutely. Um, ab abhor racism because there is real racism in this world and sure. we stand against it of course you and do, yeah. absolutely be against the um, anti-family, anti-God uh, BLM organization, which is what they absolutely have become. Um, I've had people uh, drive by my house with bullhorns screaming my children's names. Um, the person who ran runs our public information requests, um, her son was sent a message saying, um, I, uh, I look forward to washing your face as I put my six-inch blade into your mother's throat. Wow. These are the kinds oh of things. Oh, my gosh. How awful. People, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like every day. I mean, yeah. we, it's like once you walk through that fire, you're untouchable. And the more national news we got and the more we were hit, the more invincible we became. Because now you can say anything and it just doesn't matter to us anymore. Wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you do. You become you become leather skin. You just because you're so you know you take enough barbs, you realize you know what I'm staying. They just want to throw me off my mission. I want to stay on the mission, and uh, it is remarkable what what you've accomplished. Um, <clears throat> you get this done now, and you have this critical race theory sort of agenda or curriculum off the school uh, off the school, and you got kids learning how to think, not telling them what to think, but learning how to think. Uh, what is the biggest lessons that, you know, if you're a parent in some other school district and you feel like this is coming on in your district right now, what because you've been through the fire, what are the lessons and the strategies and the tactics that you would recommend other parents take? Well, I need to stress to parents in America that, you know, 70 years ago, we handed over our kids to the public school system and the Democrats got really involved in the public school system and the Republicans didn't. And I don't even like saying Democrats and Republicans. I like saying conservatives and liberals right. um, because there's, you know, you know, that line sometimes gray. Yeah. But 
We have to stop handing our kids over to Caesar and then being shocked when they come back Romans. Um, <laughs> we look at the street, we see Antifa marching in the street, and we wonder how, how can an entire generation be so misinformed, and so many of them. And it is because we've handed them over to this indoctrination and been working and busy and, you know, going on with their lives, not even realizing what they're learning right under our noses, which yeah. goes against the very, very important. Of our... So my mission is, and my contention is that if we are going to take America back, we have got to take our public school systems back. And the only way you're going to do that is win your school board elections, period, end of story. You've got to get solid conservatives in there who won't just buy the story lock, lock, lock stock and barrel. Um, what we, had, we got two candidates. Now, we still have room to go. We still have to take a majority. We do not yet have a majority on our school board. Right. But um, one of the candidates that we got in there is a, a very um, highly um, qualified attorney. And the other one is uh, a really sharp, sharp um, engineer who is, uh, has a ton of the football parents. You know, football is king in Texas. Of course. But, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. yeah. It's important to get attorneys in there, conservative attorneys and conservative, um, really uh, smart people who won't just believe what the taxpayer-funded school board attorney is telling you because um, they're not always telling you the full story. Yeah, that's an interesting thing to learn. Uh, you know, I saw some of the uh, work you did on your website, and uh, there's a really powerful image and, and headline that I think really gets at what you in, in your uh, colleagues have, have uh, drawn out here, which is racism, racism is a real problem, but this agenda is not a real solution. This curriculum is not Absolutely. a real solution. Uh, I think being able to acknowledge that there is racism in the world and that you're not yourself being racist, you just don't think that this is the curriculum that solves it, um, is is such a powerful message because it disarms the other side. Hey, we're not we're not saying there's not racism. We're just saying you might be making the problem worse with this agenda and uh, this curriculum. Right, and you know. Even in their own play-in, um, so Carol ISD has about about 8,600 students and about uh -huh. about 1,200 employees. Even in their own plan, I'm literally reading this from the plan where they're trying to implement all of these changes. It it says an academic review of student subgroup test performance reveals no statistically significant achievement gaps among the district's ethnic populations. Wow. So if the school's job is to educate our kids, then there's your evidence that we don't need to change anything we're doing. Clearly, all ethnic populations have the equal opportunity here. The difference mm -hmm. with the CRT and the, the DEI programs is they're not interested in equal opportunity. They're interested in equal outcomes. Yeah. And we have seen this equity thing all over the nation. Um, and their plan is to take out the gifted and talented programs as well as the special needs programs. And it's a it's a travesty to the kids in public schools across America. Yeah. Well, you have created a blueprint for uh, an inspiration, I think, for many, many Americans to get involved. Uh, everywhere we're reporting now, we're seeing this movement to uh, a political movement to pay attention to the school boards, run for the school boards, challenge the school boards and, and speak up for our children and our children's friends and 
uh, it is uh, really remarkable that in the community of South Lake is where we really see it. I mean, South Lake, Texas, and uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, have sort of been the ground zeros of this movement, and uh, a really remarkable story. We really appreciate you spending time today uh, telling us how this went, and we want to keep following because I don't think your mission's done there. I get the sense that you have more work to be done, right? We have a lot more work to, to be done. In fact, we just interviewed uh, the first round of our next batch of candidates uh, two days ago, and we're going to do another round of interviews in about a month. So, no, we the work is never done. Wow. The work will never be done until Jesus comes back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sets a, a, a lofty goal for the completion, but it is a remarkable thing. And, and um, uh, people all over the country are talking about what you started, Lee, and that is, uh, that is a, in, its, in and of itself. A remarkable accomplishment. Not to not to mention what you've been able to achieve for the for the children in the school district where you where you live. So I want to thank you for joining us today, and uh, I'd like to get you back on the show and get an update in a few months and see how as we enter into the next school year, what else we can learn from South Lake. Absolutely, happy to help. That's wonderful. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend. Thank you. You too. God bless. God bless you too. All right, folks. That was uh, Lee Wamsgans. What a great parent. What an amazing story. Proof that in America, you can carpe diem, take control of the political system, and get what you need for your children. Amazing story. We're going to go do a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. All right, folks, that wraps up the week. What a busy week. A lot of great guests. We're thankful for everybody who spent time on this podcast, including you listening and engaging us. We're so grateful. A lot to think about on the critical race theory issue we tackled today and uh, a lot to be appreciative for as we head into this week in the 245th birthday of this great country, the United States of America, where liberty, freedom, and justice still reign supreme. We see it every day. Uh, all those who talk us down are making a big mistake. This is still the greatest country America uh, that the world has ever seen. We're so thankful, so proud. And I want to thank all my fellow Americans for what you do, whether you drive a truck, you teach a child in school, you uh, heal people as a doctor, particularly during this pandemic or nurse. If you're a first responder, a soldier on the front lines, thank you for making my country as great as it is. I am so deeply grateful for you. There's a million heroes every day that I witness in my work as a journalist. And I want to thank you all this weekend. Have a steak on the grill from Kansas City Steak. 
Go enjoy an incredible long weekend uh, celebrating America's great freedom. I'm signing off. We'll be back next week on Monday with a new show. Until then, God bless you and God bless America and happy birthday, America. See you soon. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call one 800 245 That's one 800 245 Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash Victor, taxnetworkusa.com slash Victor. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews.